Well, good day, everyone. Welcome to Big J's Place. I'm Jason Stevens. Thanks so much for listening in. Now, my next guest is a very good friend who I first met when I played with the Sharks. And after 10 years in the game, he moved to New York. He retired from league. And he's been the global face of a hugely successful campaign, Paco Rabanne, I believe it is. That's how you say it. Yeah, Paco Rabanne. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> Invictus. <laughs> Which, uh, it all makes sense, because he's uh, he's very ridiculously good-looking, if I can steal a Zoolander line. He's also an established... He's also established his own foundation to help former athletes. I'd love to talk to him about that. And more, Nick Youngquest, welcome to Big J's Place. Thanks for having me, mate. It's uh, great to be sitting across from you on your couch. Um, full disclosure, sorry for being late, mate. I was uh, just surfing, so... We oh, you surfing? We would have got in trouble back in the day. Chris Anderson would have been uh, all over us, right, if I turned up late. Well, do you remember those days where, like, we'd... You know, you'd have night games, and then we had a, like a five o'clock start. Winter, this is winter. Like you, you know, after a game, when you have a night game, you, you don't get to bed till two, three o'clock. You're so wired up. Yeah. And then we'd have the five o'clock starts at Shelley Beach, where you'd just be in the water, to me freezing made, in winter, just freezing. To me, it made no sense. But I remember, you know, there's much fonder memories of those uh, days. Like you give me wedgies and. Um, all the hoo-ha, you know, around the, around the team. I, that's the only I thing did. I miss about rugby, you know? I um, did. The locker room banter and, you know. I miss that stuff. That's actually. it, man. I, really I don't miss, miss running into a brick wall every weekend. I'm sure you don't either. Well, I was the brick wall, so... It's, uh, <laughs> there, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, before we get into it, I'd, I'd love to just start with some getting to know you type of questions. Yeah, there you go. This, is good. this right. could be interesting, huh? All right, let's go. First, first concert? First concert, um, I think it was Forensal Rom. Do you remember that band from Australia? <laughs> like no. a heavy metal, like heavy metal band at um, at the Sutherland Entertainment Centre. There you go. Oh wow! Yeah. I was never a heavy metal dude. No, I just no, you're never. More, you're a big big lover, right? I was a Peter Andre Rick Astley. <laughs> so very soft. Very there you soft. go. There you go. What about your first job? First job, I worked out at the oil refinery at Cornell. My dad used to work out there, so he sent me out there like one day a week when I was still finishing school, and we did some of the most awful things you, know, you can think of. Um, they made me, yeah, it was tough. I, I didn't like it, and I knew I wasn't going to be a labourer or anything like that. I actually worked there as well when I was when you, I was playing 21s. No, you it? did not. I, I did, I did. <laughs> you would have been... I'm, I was in the, in, the, in the shipping, where, and we had to lift like massive bags of sugar and oh, mate, my legs got so strong. You would have hated that. I, I the money. I liked the money. <laughs> <laughs> You've always liked the money, huh? <laughs> What's your most embarrassing moment? Embarrassing moment. Ah, oh, my memory's not that good, but I'll tell you an interesting, embarrassing moment recently. You're going to laugh at this too. We, we, we were talking about this the other day. You know, we, we're from Cronulla yeah. in the Esplanade where you live on, uh, right on the front of. Um, there's always um, some some very lovely uh, females walking around, girls walking around. So <clears throat> the other day I was riding my bike and um, I actually spotted two young ladies and I proceeded to have a little bit of a look and then I, uh, I crashed my bike into a car you <laughs> riding on the wall. <laughs> <I fell off. laughs> Needless to say, both of the girls were just uh, started laughing and kept walking. So and there's your icebreaker. <laughs> there is your icebreaker. There was no there. icebreaker. My hand was bleeding. Lucky the ambulance people were there. They gave me tissues and stuff. You would have loved it. I would have oh, loved to, to, to have seen that. That's too funny. That's too funny. What's your favourite movie? Favourite movie? Um... Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. It's a great, you, it's a great you, one. You know that was a box office failure. Did you know that? Yeah, I know. I know. But it's like been more, anything but a failure since then. Oh, right? uh, absolutely. It yeah. mo- it's it's a, probably a lot of people's favorite movie, actually. Oh, absolutely. A great yeah. story and yeah. stuff like that. I also love, you know, I'm, I watch more TV series, but I also love Casa de Papel. It's um, Money Heist in English. 
It's on, oh, on Netflix. Yeah, we were, oh, my wife's super, obsessed with super it. good. Oh, yeah, my it. wife's I love obsessed it. with I love that. It. I'm obsessed yeah. with Tokyo, but yeah. Yeah. She's the female lead, so yeah. <laughs> Just putting out there because I'm sure she's, she's listening. Sure, yeah, she's listening in from Spain, of course. <laughs> do you have a favourite book? Uh, yeah, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Nice. What do you like about that? I just like to, you know, try and living in the present moment. You know, it's all, you know, it's a bit spiritual, but um, good. but also, yeah, I try and touch into those points, but, you know, not too deep, to be honest with you. A person from history you'd like to have met? Yeah. Like to have met, I would say Martin Luther King, for sure. Um, you know, I think he changed the course of history for, for the good, but unfortunately now, you know, we're, we're sitting here and we're still talking about the same issues that from the civil rights movement. So it would have been nice to have sat with him and, you know, mm-hmm. listen to him and pick his brain, you know. Something you wish you were better at? <clears throat> Probably surfing. Um, that's one say thing. Bike riding. But I'd also, you know, I was actually <laughs> thinking about this as well. Um, yeah, bike riding as well, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd also like to, you know, be better at kind of bridging the gap between um, the conservative and liberal kind of views. I think I have very conservative views in, in, in terms of economy and then very uh, liberal views in, in terms of social kind of stuff. But I'd like to be able to meet in the middle because I think that they're both like polarizingly different. Yeah. And I can get tend to sometimes get a little bit toxic with people, you know, if they're talking about Trump and stuff like that. I'm like, no. You're an idiot, right? Yeah. Like to be more empathetic and understanding yeah. in, the, in those contexts. Yeah, more nuanced. I like that. <clears throat> the thing you did growing up that made your parents the most upset? <clears throat> uh, anything just to do with like sport, really. Like, I was always riding my, my bike and doing big jumps and like scaring the hell out of them, you know? And then like, I remember one day I actually rode my skateboard off the barbecue table and I uh, got a huge cut on my eye and stuff like that. Yeah, I was just doing stupid stuff all the time and they were just always worried, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait for Presley to like because Beck's very. She's like, oh, Presley, da 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 da. da. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Like, I think I'm not a parent, right? But you have to like at some point. I think you have to be like, okay, girl, you got to learn yourself, <laughs> you right? Go, you <laughs> go. Learn the hard way, bro. <laughs> What's the biggest thing you've been nervous about? Biggest thing, nervous. <clears throat> Probably going back to school. I went back to university at like um. 28 years old and it was nerve-wracking you know I think you know we're going to get into a little bit of that with the foundation that I started but it was uh, mm. this kind of nervous or anxiety kind of to really to to uh, show my skills and, and learn more uh, about how I fitted into the real world that was probably it was a pretty anxious moment yeah. what's the best advice you've been given um, probably that you don't need to be the best at you know, don't be the best at one thing, but be be pretty good or average at, at a lot of things. I try and be like pretty multidimensional in the way that I go about my life. And, you know, I, I'm not really the best at anything, but um, I think I'm okay at a, a, a few things. I think that's probably a better way to approach life. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Yeah, lollies and um, and ice cream. So I always go to my mum and dad's house and take all the lollies out of the jar and she's forever killing me. Yeah, like, but I don't, I can't have them at home. So I just go to her house and have them all and then I leave. And then she's, yesterday actually she tried to chuck me a bag and I was like, look, no, no, no it's no good. It's not going to end well. <laughs> What's the lesson that's taking you the longest to learn? Um, lesson that's taking me the longest to learn. Um, probably patience you know just be patient with people i think i always expect people to be on my wavelength and it's not you know it's not reality so try and be a little bit more patient and understanding and uh and and empathetic of people's views and and um the ways in which their values may align or may not align with you so it's interesting because when when you you know if, if you're talking about even a partner you know like you're 
you're dealing with a, a different culture within a, within a culture, you know, because every person was raised differently. That's and, it. And, it, and maybe they're part of a different culture as yep. well. And there's, you, you bring in all that different background and different perspectives of life. And I think you're, you're right. That's been the, the, the thing that's taken me the longest. Yeah, to, and to I think, you know, in the, from that perspective as well, you get you get together with someone who you really resonate with and there's a great connection. And then, but, you know, when you, once you go live with someone and day in, day out, like there's little nuances about every every person that you might be like, that's so annoying. Why do they do that? But it, it takes time to they just really, really just take a step back and be like, it hang is. on a sec, maybe I'm annoying I'm too. Doing, yeah, 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 that's what I'm doing stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? It actually happened the other day. The other day with, with uh, my wife, I pointed out something to her and then, you know what, I stopped midway because I actually started to think, oh, if she really wanted to have a go at the amount of things that I'd do that, yeah. I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure. But she just lets it pass by. I really love that about her. She just lets it. That's a great trait right. to have too, It's right? great. Whereas it's I'm great. like, I used to jump straight on it. Hey, what Same are you doing here. this for? What are you yeah, doing yeah, that? Yeah, Don't yeah, do yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Imagine they said that about us. Oh, man. Men are, men are kind of crazy too. Like, you know, there's this kind of um, this idea out there that women can be crazy. I think men are more crazy, to be honest with you. And yeah. we have higher expectations about everything. And you know, I think we've all got issues. Can, yeah. we, can we? Is it for you've, you've always had issues. I was like, <laughs> no, I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got to, uh, I've got to um, correct you there because maybe I did give, give you, maybe I did give you a, a wedgie, but it was actually one of our teammates, Chris Beatty. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if you remember where he whacked you right across the nose yeah. at training once, yeah. and you were bleeding. And I was at, I was at the play the ball area with you because you know we used to, our coach used to make us like we were pretty much almost tackling each other. It's pretty a much. really stupid sport. At some points, of, uh, <laughs> when to, training, to be honest with you, training you, you you're doing training like you're playing, and yeah. it's like, but that's why we're. That's why we play on the weekend because right. I can't do this during the yeah, week. Yeah, 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 well. yeah. Well, I actually have an interesting uh, but, memory. But just quickly, Chris Beatty did, and I said. And I said, bro, he's going to be a model. I, I, I remember distinctly saying he's going to be a model. Don't mess it up. But, oh, you know, Beats, it went out one year. But I had, a, I had an interesting memory of Beats and Phil Bailey the other day. And it's not probably not their fault, but it's um, it's more uh, Chris Anderson's fault. Or, or not Chris Anderson's fault. I shouldn't call people out. But it was the culture, did, so a culture, a culture around sport at the time. They put me in the ring. We at, at Sutherland, uh, oh, yeah, Sutherland, yeah, yeah. right? I remember yeah. it was me and Paul Franze. It was like this kind of like old oh, toughen them up the kind of thing. They put me in the ring with Chris Beatty and Phil Bailey and let them belt the hell out of me. I'm like this doesn't seem like it's uh, fruitful for rugby league. Like what am I doing in the <laughs> dumb box, right? So yeah, some fond memories. <sighs> well, that, that 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 during that period actually, I would, we wrestled as well. I don't know if you remember, we got into teams and we wrestled with that Russian guy. Remember, little small little right. Russian guy used That's to right. wear the red um, leotard thing. And we were in two <laughs> different groups, and Paul Gallon won his division, I won mine, and then. Uh, we got together and he just ragdolled me. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, I can't do this for much longer because like, I just saw all these young guys like just coming up and it's particularly him. It was just like just super strong. Yeah, just, exactly. I was like, yeah, my, my days are... <laughs> <laughs> you had a good career anyway. But, so did, you, but did you enjoy your time in footy? Did you yeah, I did. I, you know, of course, as I was saying, like I missed the, the camaraderie in the locker room and, you know, making fun of each other and all that sort of stuff. But, you know... When you think about it as a sport, it's pretty brutal on the body. And, um, you know, I take medication from too many concussions. I started having seizures when I retired. Is that right? Yeah. So um, it's, uh, 
it's like a daily thing that kind of a daily reminder of the the physicality behind the sport and and and, and the dangers associated with uh, yeah. traumatic brain injury. You know, so um, yeah, I, I definitely loved my time and get, it was exposed me to you know so many different cultures and and obviously gives you a platform to to do different things that you want to advocate for you know socially and stuff like that. But um, do I miss it? I, you know, putting on the boots and playing those games and running against blokes like you? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. So, so with your with your was that one of the reasons you retired? When uh, so you I didn't actually. It was. It hap- it, I started having seizures two or three months after I retired. Oddly enough, so wow. I'd never had any issues. And um, you know, I was walking along the uh, the Champs Elysees in Paris, uh, a day off from work. Work. Oh my god! There's my my accent. Um, you were playing. You were- I was no, no, I was well, you, I was working for Pacarabana in right. uh, in Paris, and um, yeah, I was on a day off, and I was walking along the streets, and then yeah, I just uh, collapsed and had a seizure on the side of the road. So, wow. um, I had three or four seizures since then. Uh, after that, and then now yeah, I just take medication, which um, suppresses the the neural pathways, uh, the the neural uh, the firing of the neurons in your in your brain. So um, yeah, it's it, so it's manageable for me, which is actually a good thing, I think. Um, have that have they linked that back? Well, the, the, it's hard to link, right? Obviously, with all the studies into CTE and stuff like that, you can only um, really uh, diagnose that po- uh, post-mortem, right? So I had all the d- relative tests and nothing shows up. But my doctor said, like, from everything you've told me and the amount of um, head trauma that you've been exposed to, there's no way that we can rule out that it wasn't from rugby league, right? Rugby so, league, yeah, yeah. yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> But as I said, I, for me, it's actually good that I have that physical kind of symptom because, you know, a lot of our friends that, they might go down the route of having a little bit of depression or mental health issues or, or, or these things that can be kind of um, catastrophic for their, their life. But mm. for me, it's, you know, it's very manageable by the by the medication. And mm. for the most part, I'm pretty good outside of that. So mm. Mm. I, I think a lot of people don't understand some of the the um, the the these buy issues that come from, you know, Byproduct of playing for so long. Yeah. Um, ten years is a long time. I played for fourteen years, and <laughs> there's not many times that I can lie down at night and actually just have a peaceful night's sleep because of my neck. Yeah, it's just a constant burn pain, and yeah, and I've tried different medications and so forth, mm-hmm. but which I, I don't react too well. But um, and 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 this is I think this is part of the, this is all stems. I was going to get into a bit later, but I love love to chat now about. Because you're doing the charity athletes for life, and very much um, care and are focused on athletes who retire. Because we we were sitting at the front not long ago, and I was starting to put together a documentary, and and I, and I said I want to start it with this phrase I heard that said athletes die twice. The first time is at retirement, and then you pulled out your phone and you showed me a piece of camera <coughs> that used the exact same yep. line. You didn't steal it, obviously, but you may have. But no, you did. <laughs> but maybe yeah. you were sending it to me telepathically <laughs> in Portugal last year. Is it? But isn't it funny that we're both on the same sort of page in terms of trying to to make sense of this and of this post life? And it's not looking for sympathy. It's not looking for empathy because I don't feel we're going to get any because you know you you played an elite level and in a sense we know what to expect and you know you're rewarded. Uh, while you're there, but at the same time, the, the 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 fall from that can be very real. Yeah, that's right. You know, and and, and for me, you know, let, let's not you know shy away from the fact that for me, this whole thing is not to demonise any sport or anything like that. I think that there 
a lot of the sports in Australia and around the world are doing great things in the wellness space, you know, um, especially for retiring athletes. You know, obviously with the retirement fund, there's financial remuneration from the, from games like the NRL. We missed out on that. Did you get that? I actually got it, yeah. Oh. I, was a bit, I was a bit younger than you, mate. So. 14 years. I would have done well. You would have been killing it. It would have been like 150 grand or something like tax-free. You would have loved that too. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't love that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, surrounding the financial side and then, um, you know, obviously there's uh, a bit of life coaching and transition stuff. And then the, the, you, you also have access to mental health kind of um, uh, pathways if you need it, right? But I think fairly quickly after the time you retire, they kind of relinquish their responsibility fairly quickly as, as governing bodies. And for me, I just saw this uh, this space or this gap in, I don't want to say market because I don't want to make, this is not something that I want to, you know, go and help people to make money off, right? It's not, that's not my MO. Mm. Um, I really want to, you know, a lot of the guys that I've spoken to, they really have this um, this misunderstanding of the skills that they've acquired through sport and how they actually apply to the real world and how to that skill acquisition is relevant to certain professions after. So I want to provide these pathways throughout the life cycle of continuum of an athlete, right? Mm, so that they, they know that they're learning these skills and they're able to transition more effectively. I think that athletes, especially in this country, um, are able to garner, you know, huge platforms, um, which probably go vastly underutilized when they are playing because they're concentrating too much on performance. I think that they, you know, if we're able to, to, to utilize their platforms for social causes and, and advocacy and stuff like that, once they do retire, they're already starting to do these kind of things and they can assimilate and, and transition more effectively. Um, you know, the buildup of athletic identity is so huge and, and all the psychology behind it is, is really, really crazy. Actually, actually women's uh, struggle more than men because if you think about the, the, the the sports that they're participating in, they're largely individual sports, like swimming, gymnastics. Well, mm. take gymnastics for instance, mm. right? If at 12 years old, a female's good at gymnastics, they're taken out of school, they're training eight hours a day, and if they haven't won a gold medal by 22 at the Olympics, it's like, okay, see you later. You're done. Right? Yeah. So these are, uh, you know, transforming or transcending the, the athletic identity is really what we're, we're, we're all about at Athletes for Life. And we, we, we really believe that we can create these pathways and, and, and kind of this feedback loop as well to like mentorship and, and stuff like that, you know. So uh, for you and me, right, we've, we've kind of transferred or into different roles or different aspects of life. It's not that easy for everyone. And I realized um, running the marathon in 2015 in New York City that I was actually struggling struggling as well, even though I'd been doing this crazy thing. I'd been flying around the world and everything looked good, right? You're, I'm still kind of doing the same thing. You, you see this ad on TV and then you can, you know. Mm. But I didn't believe in myself one bit. I would go on a set and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't belong here. This is not where what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, every time we'd do a take, I'd be like, oh my God, this is going to be so crap. Um, I shouldn't be getting paid the money I'm getting paid, you know, and all those self-doubt things and mm. they're really surrounding self-efficacy, right? And if you're building up those, the, the tools that you need to, to kind of transform that, uh, I think it, you can have like a powerful, a powerful impact on society, so... It's so funny because I was in uh, 2018, end of 2018, I was in um, LA um, at the American film market. I was, I've got a film chasing comets that was out and I was trying to sell it overseas. It's very good, by the way. So I hope everyone watches it. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, uh, I, I turned on the, the um, I don't know if it was, the, it was the main sort of show in the morning, the, one of the morning shows, and they're showing this marathon. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm looking. And the and the the commentator comes up and does a and stops you, and then you start talking while you're running, and then they do a full a full on piece. 
that they've pre-recorded on you. Like it was prime time, like in the morning, a big show, like one of the big, big American sort of shows. I just thought, yeah. here I am. Who would have thought these two two guys from footy? One's over here in the film. Yeah. One he's doing. Yeah. doing. But how, how did you get into the the modelling stuff? The modelling stuff was really weird. Actually, I was I, I actually got married to my ex wife in um in it must have been. 2012 end of 2012 when I retired then I went back to the UK um, to like kind of pack up all my stuff there I was going to move to New York right so and I was really really apprehensive about or anxious not that I would have showed that you know um, uh, to, to many people but I was really anxious about going to New York City right I didn't have a degree I, I didn't believe in you know any of my skills um, and then one day a week before we were leaving my agent from LA called me and said, "Oh, you've got to go to Paris tomorrow." And I was like, "Excuse me." But <laughs> yes. how'd you get an agent in LA? Did so I, I work with a guy. I work with a guy in LA for since I was like twenty. So oh, I'm doing. Right. You know, I used to do the, the calendars back here. Um, yeah, you know, advocating for the LGBTQ community, and um, I, we did a couple of things for breast cancer as well. So he, he picked up that, and then I saw. I'd always been with him. Oh right, okay. throughout my career, yeah. Um, and he's like, "Can you go down to Paris and meet these guys?" And I was like, <clears throat> "You know." having these self-doubt kind of things. I was like, sure, I'll go down. I remember getting to the door and just being taking a deep breath and going, you know what? I'm here in Paris. I may as well just be myself and be like, be Australian, you know, like be authentic. Yeah. So I did exactly that. Little did I know that I was sitting in the in the boardroom with like the guy who runs the company, the one under the CEO, like he's the CEO, it's a family-run business, so the CEO is from the family. He's the only high-level management guy that w- was there and I'm, just being like totally Australian, they're like, we love it. And they would never do this. You know what it's like, right, in castings. They would never say, you've got the job. They would say, okay, perfect, uh, you can... You yeah, can. That was great. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah exactly, right? <laughs> but they told me there and then I got the job. So, yeah, it was, it was like, I was like, you're kidding, right? Like, and they were like, yeah. And and, and that's something I'm actually wow. proud of, you know, um, because I think that part of, you know, I don't work as a model per se, you know, I do, uh, you know, a lot of the... The advertising campaign, sure, but then I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes too, with you know incentivizing the the inside sales teams and and working. You know, I sit in on board meetings as well. You know, so I do lots of a variety of different stuff um, with them, which is um, as I said before, I like to be a little bit more diverse rather than That's just being right. like this person because, that smiles. You know, yeah, because it's great because you learn the business side of it. Yeah, and yeah, you can also add add value. Yeah, so I've been you become you know part of the. Family. I think that's the key. You know, to the to to the partnership as well that we, I add they see the value and, and then I've understood my value as well, right, down the line. So we've done a lot of things with charities. We've probably raised, with Back Over Bond, probably close to $200,000, $300,000, like, you know. And, I mean, you're talking about a, a, a company that sells fragrance. Like, they're not, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're about making money, not, not, not Absolutely, supporting yeah. charities. But, yeah. you know, because they support me, uh, we've, they've, been, they've been super supportive of that. So it's uh, kind of nice for both, both parties, I think, yeah. Isn't that nice? <laughs> so are you are you, um, are you with them on a long yeah, so my contract or? runs out at the end of the year. Um, but you know, in that industry, it kind of depending on their marketing plans and stuff like that, um, they they can change things up. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm not fairly certain, but I am hopeful that uh, next year it should be. We, I should still be with them. So we have, a, as I said, we have a nice partnership, and they're also very interested in the charity side. So um, and you know, with a fragrance supporting, you know, sorry, surrounding victory and kind of this in you know, was in the in, in the first one was in an in in the the Olympic Stadium in Barcelona, it's like very surrounding sport and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so they're interested in all that sort of stuff. We've run marathons in New York City for them. I've been to Santiago and run a marathon there for them as well. Um, yeah, so we, I think the partnership's cool. And uh, yeah, I, even if I wasn't like the, the face of their their brand. Because that's a global, because when I was in LA, I, mean, I remember even at the at the airport, massive 
Yeah, Paco Rabanne is actually signage. Paco it was huge. huge. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's huge in the airport. Yeah, the airport for fragrance is you know one of our biggest, um, big, the biggest market. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, so good, man. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's really weird, still. You know, it's uh, it's strange, man. But you know, it's been fun. For it's sure. so good. What what would you, what would you, is is your hope? Can you see yourself in five years? Tell me where, you, where you'd like to be. I'd like to be <clears throat> five years. <clears throat> I don't think that far ahead, but you know, yeah, let me yeah. go. Um, I'd, I'd really like to be uh, having a group of athletes in each major marathon around the world, which are six, um, running running marathons and, t- and doing documentaries about their challenges um, transitioning. I think it can be super empowering, not from, only for themselves, but for the broader public too, um, to kind of humanise the athlete in a way um, and see the challenges they might be facing, get them back into you know a structured environment. So doing that and then... <clears throat> Sorry. Um, hopefully, have a um, yeah. Still have a, a good partnership with Paco Rabanne and doing different things and diversifying the things that I'm doing. Uh, you know, for me, it's um, it's interesting to learn things. And you know, I'm hoping to go to, to Harvard at the end of the year for a uh, executive kind of sports course over there for for a week. Um, yeah. Doing different stuff. I just enrolled enrolled in another course here in Australia. So I'm interested in lots of stuff. Um, yeah, without being like trying to be an expert in one. I think that's from the best the best uh, advice someone ever gave me because I was never the best rugby player, right? You but I was okay. But I was okay, right? No, you're very so good. So I, I try to do, you know. Everything. No, no one lasts ten years in in rugby league no, without no, being sure. really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to be honest with you, it's 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 a tough game. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you when you went to you you went to England? I did. Yeah. yeah. Did you? Was there a big difference there? Super different back then, and I think it's probably even more of a gap now. But I, I love my time over there. Actually, it's probably. The good time for me to go. I kind of matured as a person, as a player as well. So I went over there and and was able to kind of perform much better, to be honest, than I was here. I was pretty up and down here. I think it's hard when you think about it, right? You thrust into the somewhat limelight um, at a young age, and then you're expected to perform week in, week out. It's like a very daunting kind of task. And I wasn't. I don't think I was mentally apt to really um, combat that at the time, you know. So and you know, it is. I, I like go out a little bit too much and drink a little bit too much and all those things like I think I was probably in excess, excessive in all those things so I was excessive in training but then I'd, all my friends would you know like Craig like Birdie right Birdie would be excessive at training and then excessive drinking but I couldn't keep up on, on every angle if that makes sense Yeah, yeah so sure. I think once I was at the back end of my career I was much more you know I was much more a leader and, and a mentor to younger guys and, and uh, I understood my place better yeah. would you like to live Back here, or would you? Yeah, yeah. So you know, because you you moved because of the the virus. Yeah. So I came back in March. I was coming back for a few meetings, but kind of got stuck. But it's been really nice being home. Um, I've been living in in Portugal. It was a good time to leave New York. Yeah, exactly. I was well. I was in I was in Paris first, and then everything started to get kind of scary there. And then I was in New York, and my my friend said, "New York, there you go." Um, (laughs) My 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 friend's a doctor in infectious disease, and he said, "Look, you should be getting out of here." Oh wow. Um, So I so I left, and uh, yeah, but it's been really nice being home. I think you know I want to spend. I've been doing, you know, 10, 11 months of the year overseas and one month here or two months here. I want to do the reverse now. I'll still go overseas and do, you know, work and stuff like that, but um, I think it's time to come home and and build, um, it, you know, not that I want to stay put, but build a more of a life and, and, and be here longer time, you know. Does it sadden you and, and is it something that stands out to you, the amount of homeless that are 
that are, I know we've talked a little bit about this. Um, yeah, that you are know, overseas. for me, you know, that's the thing, right? You know, the US profess to be the leaders of the free world. In reality, they probably lead in nothing, to be honest with you, um, other than probably military spending. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in tune with all of this, the, the statistics and stuff like that, but it's really daunting to, like, think about my time in New York City living in, the, you know, a really nice apartment in New York, which is expensive as... Mm anything mm. um, and then you walk a block and then there's people living in relative despair it seems weird you know the best city in the world like mm. professors to be the best city in the world but mm. the social disparity there is so crazy it is. Um, and the more you live there and the more you open your eyes that's the key because you can live a very sheltered life and, and have your blinkers on right because if you're say you're earning I don't know five million bucks in New York City of course you can put your blinkers on and there's no problems right but the social issues in that in that town is it was crazy to me in Australia we don't have that disparity we have sure we have different social classes and stuff like that but our poorest people here in Australia they, they they're still able to live relatively good lives you know mm. um and that really it really struck me as um super super scary to be able to do that and yeah. I, you know i was speaking to a friend of mine he's a um he's a black guy and he lives in in um in the projects with his grandma in queens just last week and uh you know with everything that's going on he's like scared to leave the house and stuff like that but wow. i've also had you know he this is when you know i had this real kind of moment with the US was when he's crying on my shoulder and he's like saying, asking me like what he has to do to get out, right? Um, because, you know, his only opportunity to go to college was if he was good enough at American football and he wasn't good enough, right? So he didn't get a scholarship. So then he didn't go to college. He's living in New York City without a degree and he doesn't see any direction or any, any kind of light at the end of the tunnel. And that for me, I was like, you know what? I've got to get out of New York. Because I don't think, you know, I work, you know, we're talking about the marathon running and the reason I was interviewed for that in the race is because I'm ambassador for a charity in New York City team for kids, which runs after school programs in underprivileged areas, okay? Um, 80% of the, the schools that we, we um, serve in New York City don't even have a PE department. Wow. So that's kind of, it struck me as like the amount of sport we're afforded to, to participate in here is crazy but also things like on a social level if you think like um we all remember healthy harold where that the, 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 the bus yep. used to come around and they yeah. tell you teach you everything about health right if you think about the most underprivileged or impoverished areas in new york city and not getting access to this kind of information like sexual health and all these things that that, that are truly important in, in, in growing up, they're not even getting access to that. So the only touch point they have with uh, physical activity or health is with, by running after-school programs with a team for kids. That was like, for me, I'm like, wow. So we raised $7, $7 million last year for, wow. for, team, for just in the marathon alone, New York wow. City. Um, yeah, and so that's why I was doing that interview. So it's, for me, it's super cool. And um, and uh, But yeah, that's when I was like, I, I don't think I can live here anymore. I can't be okay with it, you know? Mm, so. Mm. Well, Nick, look, it's been so good chatting with you, mate. Look, if anything that struck out to me is that you know you've really got a heart for and empathy for 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 those who are you know who are, if it's retired athletes or for other people. I just see your world getting bigger and bigger, man. It's just going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, like, you've achieved a lot already, but it's going to get bigger and bigger. And actually, before I let you go, I have a little little game that you just got to tell me a story, and I'm going to decide whether it's true. <laughs> I know it's changing tunes a little I'm bit. Not, yeah, I'm, not very good, like, I'm not very creative, so I'm going to tell you. What am I going to tell you? All right. We were 
this is scary. And you're looking at me as well. True or false? Uh, <laughs> True or false? <laughs> oh, I told I'm going to say it's false already. No, 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 no. So we're at Norley's one night. Norley's a fine establishment here in Cronulla. In Cronulla. Far out. And, um, and, and there was there was the young guys back then. Remember Greg, you know, Greg Bird, um, Jai Mullane, um, who else would have been there? There would have been a couple of my friends that didn't play rugby as well. And it was karaoke night, Thursday night. Because you remember Birdie always thought he had a bit of a voice, right? Yeah. You remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did, but yeah. <laughs> so we were at, we were at, we were at Norley's, and um, Birdie sang a song, as he always does. And he said, probably sung multiple songs. And then uh, I got up and sung a song, and um, and uh, it would have been Matchbox 20, 3 a.m. was my go-to. Should I belt out something? No, I don't know anything. No, no. I won't bore the listeners or put them to sleep. Or no crash They're probably turned there, yeah. off by now, anyhow. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I sang a song and then uh, someone came over to the table and said that they were from Sony and they wanted to speak to me when I was at the bathroom. So I went down and uh, and spoke to the people from Sony at, at, at karaoke. I'm going to say that's true. <laughs> it was true, but it was an absolute G up from the boys. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that should have been my embarrassing moment, actually, because I was like, I was telling them that they were like, no, you're lying, you're lying, right? Uh-huh, and then they, and then they made funny. me go down there. I was probably like 20 or something like that. And then it was a guy that I knew from school, and, they, and then all the boys, they were videoing me, and they were laughing. It's pretty funny, though. Like, yeah, I was just happy because Bertie was, Bertie was just upset because I got a better voice than him. I know you're listening, Greg. <laughs> Oh, that's so good, man. Well, well, my one is back in the day, um, I was on the footy show and there was this competition, 5K up for for, for grabs. Um, and it was the first to, yeah, to they put sort of like a a, a, um, a sash sort of thing on where you had to pull, pull a car, big four-wheel drive. And um, I won the competition and the 5K, but the, I strained my groin and... <laughs> and uh, I couldn't tell the coach because I'm like, you know, I've, I've won five k. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell tell the coach, you know, that I can't play on the weekend. So, I played for a number of games with with a groin that was extremely sore. So I'm gonna say, <clears throat> I don't remember watching the show and you pulling a car. I probably say it would have happened on the show, first of all. Then second of all, you would you would have knowing you, you would have strained your groin. I'm gonna say true. It's false. I, I did win the five grand. I gave it away, I gotta say. But uh, no, I didn't strain my groin. Oh, did no. <laughs> oh dear. You probably strained your groin that week in the game though. <laughs> You're always injured in the back end, eh? Oh mate, the, the thing is you know the amount of injuries you and I had, mate. It's yeah. just like you could you couldn't write you you, you, you couldn't. It's just amazing that yeah. we're, we're still able to. And you look fantastic, I've got to say. So do you, Jason. Well, I'm taken, but <laughs> I realise you are single. So if anyone is listening, <laughs> any, of the, any of the five listeners, uh, Nick's up for something. Jason Stevens' house. <laughs> <laughs> is this like a setup now? Right? Uh, let's do it, mate. Let's like, do it. It's like Tinder. Tinder. <laughs> I don't think you need any a help. Tinder podcast or something. Are you on Tinder? I am not on Tinder. No, not on any of the. I am not on any dating apps. No. Okay, that's yeah. that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm super happy on my own. Thank you, Jason, for putting that, it out there. Though. That's a lie, but hey, <laughs> good to chat with you, mate. Thanks, Thanks for buddy. coming on, Big Jason. Thanks, Place. mate. Thanks.